0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius audio podcast. Well, my name's Farrell Lemmings and I'm an addict. Let me explain to you where I'm going with this. There's a lady in our congregation who um, went to a bakery um, that makes unbelievable pies. And she wanted to get me a pie. She wanted to get the pastor a pie. And so she... Talking to the lady there at the bakery, he says, Hey, I I want to get an apple pie for my pastor. And the lady says, Well, we have like three different kinds of apple pies. Which one would you like? She says, "Ah, I don't know. I just know my pastor likes apple pie. And she said, By chance, would your pastor's name be Pharaoh Lemmings? (laughs) (laughs) Then we know exactly what he likes. And I found it on my desk, and I was going to take a picture and put it up on the screen, because I thought, man, if there's ever been a picture of happy, this is it. The picture of this apple pie. So, I am addicted to pie. Philippians chapter 4. This morning we're concluding, we're coming to the end of this series, Habits of Happiness. We've been talking about habits we create in our lives that generate greater happiness. Because this is what I know about everyone in the room today. It's the same as it was last Sunday, the Sunday before. We we all want more and greater happiness. I mean, I think the ultimate pursuit of humanity is this, we want life. We want fulfillment. We want happiness. And if there was a place, if there was a location that was dispensing happiness, this is what I know. There would be a line of people as long as like from North Carolina to Texas, people standing in line waiting for happiness. Well, because that's what we all want. It's the pursuit of, of happiness. And so in this series, what we've been talking about is that happiness is not so much about a destination. But happiness is about the choices we make in life. I and mean, here's the Apostle Paul writing this letter from a prison cell. And the letter is all about happy. The letter is all about rejoicing. Not only is he rejoicing in a prison cell, but he's he's coaching us. He's teaching us about, man, how, how we can rejoice in, in every situation in every season of our lives. So that's what we've been talking about. How we can have happiness in every season in every situation. And I actually believed that until this morning. This morning I had an experience that challenged my, my, uh, my thesis or my thinking process about happiness being found in every season and every situation. Let me tell you what happened this morning. I was up really early. Um, kind of tightening up the sermon a little bit, and I had to take care of the animals. And so on Sunday morning, I have to put on this little headlamp because it's dark, and so I've, I've pushed myself late, so I'm running late already. I've got my little headlamp on, and I'm running down to take care of the animals. And I come up to the chicken pen, I throw the door open, and I'm about to run into the chicken pen to take care of the chickens, to feed them. And, my, and I, t- I tilted my head down and my little headlamp, um landed right on a skunk. There was a skunk having fellowship with my chickens this morning. And so i 'm looking at this skunk, and I realize, as his tail's coming up, he 's not happy. And I realized if I stayed in that location, I was not going to be happy either. Can you imagine me being here on a Sunday morning, sprayed by a skunk, and then I'm getting to talk to you? Listen, you wouldn't be happy either. (laughs) We would not have a happy experience. And so uh, once I realized what was happening, I left that situation because I thought in that situation, there's not going to be happy. But I do believe... Outside of the situation with the skunk, that in every season, in every situation, there's the possibility of happy. But there's choices that you and I have to make because happiness doesn't just happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, happiness doesn't just happen. Go ahead and tell them. Happiness doesn't just happen. It requires intentionality. It requires action on our part. Now, I love, I love the quote that we have there in your quotes by Dr. Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn says, Happiness is not, is not something that you postpone for the, for the future. It's something you design for the present. We're not postponing for the future. No, what we're positioning ourselves. We're designing it for this present, this present time, this present place in which we reside. Well, the Apostle Paul gives us some great, some great information as to how we can design happiness for our present, and we find it here in the last chapter of the book of, of the book of Philippians, chapter four, beginning with verse four. It's on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along as I read. Says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about, dwell upon, focus on those things. Whatever you've learned or, or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In the God of peace... Will be with you. Verse 10 I, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Notice verse 13. I can do everything through Him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Well, from Paul's words, let me give you some insight as to how you can position your life to discover greater happiness. It begins with this want to rejoice in God's goodness. want to position yourself to find greater, to discover greater happiness. We want to rejoice in God's goodness. How many of you know that God's goodness is all around us? God's goodness. I mean, like it's happening all the time. We have God's goodness coming into our lives. So if we're going to position ourselves for greater happiness, we need to rejoice in God's goodness. Here's a couple of scripture verses. You might want to jot these verses down. Psalms 100 verse 5 reads like this. For the Lord is good. He's good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And then Psalm 106, 106 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His love endures forever. You know, as we recognize and rejoice in the goodness of God, this is what it does. It generates, it generates happiness in our lives. Well, this morning, we want to position ourselves for greater happiness, so we're going to actually put this to work right now. I want you to test this principle out right where you're seated. This is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor on your right. And then you're going to turn to your neighbor on your left. And to your neighbor on your right and your neighbor on your left, you're going to tell them two ways in this past week that God's been good to you. Are you with me? We're going to declare God's goodness. So to your right, to your left, two ways that God's been good to you. Go ahead and tell them. Doesn't it feel good to declare the goodness of the Lord? It's like the energy level went up in the room when we did this little simple exercise. We simply declared the goodness of the Lord. See, When we rejoice, when we recall and rejoice in the goodness of the Lord, as we remind ourselves of that, what does it do? Man, it positions us for happy. That's why Paul would give us this command. Notice if you look back to verse 4, Paul doesn't say, hey, if it's convenient, you can rejoice. Or if you'd like to, you can rejoice. No, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Get this, always. How much? How, when's always? always? It's like always. It's like all the time, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, hey, in case you didn't get it, let me tell you again, rejoice. And as we rejoice in the goodness of God, again, what does it do? It, it sets us up for happiness. It positions us for happiness. I have a, a good friend who's constantly having to deal with pain because of some issues in his life. Constantly, 24-7, intense pain. Um, doctors gave him all kinds of meds. The meds didn't work. They just kind of made him feel bad in life and about life. So finally he said, I'm not taking any more meds. And pain so intense, even to the point of him wondering, can I continue to go on? Even to the point of those, of those thoughts of, do I want to go on? I mean, that kind of intense pain. And I was talking with him over there. I just called to say, hey, how, how you doing? Because I know life's really challenging for him right now. And he says, hey, Pastor, I got to tell you, I've come, I've come to discover a new way to deal with the pain. He says, this is what I do: is when the pain gets really intense, I focus on my blessings. He says, when I focus on my blessings, it changes my perspective. It changes my attitude. It's not that the pain goes away, but his response to the pain becomes different. What's he doing? He's rejoicing in the goodness of God. Listen, when you rejoice in the goodness of God, it positions you to experience greater happiness in your life. Listen, try it this week. I guarantee you. It works. You will find greater happiness when you rejoice in God's goodness. Here's the second directive Paul gives us to position ourselves for more happiness. It's this. Relax in God's provision. Relax in God's provision. Now, last week we talked about relaxing in God's grace. We want to do that. But we also want to relax in God's provision. If you look back to verse 6, notice what Paul wrote in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. In other words, he's saying, hey, don't worry. Don't stress. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, notice, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So basically, Paul's saying here, stop worrying and start trusting. Stop worrying. Start Rather than being anxious, we need to relax in God's provision. Now this dates me a bit, but but how many of you remember this song by Bobby McFerrin that was re- released in 1988? It was titled Don't Worry, Be Happy. How many remember that? Nice little tune. Yeah, there we go. You make me want to break into song. You better stop it. In this song, interesting line, if you remember the song, first verse. About halfway down in the song, Bobby McFerrin wrote these words. He says, in every life we have some trouble, and when you worry, you make it double. In every life we have some trouble. That's true, isn't it? Every life we have some trouble. And when you worry, you make it double. That's why Paul would say, don't be anxious. What do we want to do? If we want to position ourselves for greater happiness, we have to, real, we have to learn to relax in God's provision. In other words, I'm not going to be stressed. I'm, I'm not going to be anxious about what I can't control. Interesting, the word worry comes from a, a German word, and it literally means to choke or to strangle. To choke Or to strangle. What does worry do in your life? It chokes you. It strangles you. It robs you of happy. Listen, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to worry and be happy at the same time. Like the two don't go together. So if we're going to position ourselves to discover greater happiness, we need to learn to relax in God's provision. Rather than allowing worry to rob you of happiness, choose to worry about nothing and pray about everything. That's what Paul says. Pray about everything. We're gonna relax in God's provision. As you transfer the worries to God and you truly learn to trust and relax in his provision, then you will position yourself for greater happiness. So turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm gonna pray more and worry less. Go ahead and tell them. I'm gonna pray more and worry less. I'm gonna pray more and worry less. And we can. Relax in God's provision. Because if you look on down to verse nineteen, Philippians four nineteen, Paul says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You, Jesus. Now, now don't pull the verse out of context and turn God into some genie in the bottle that you know going to give you all your wants. That's what the scripture says. But the scripture does say That God's going to meet you in your place of need according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Listen, folks, we can relax in God's provision. And in that, position ourselves for, for greater happiness. Here's the third directive that Paul gives us to position ourselves for greater happiness. And it's this, rest in God's peace. Rest in God's peace. In the troubled world we live in with all the issues that we can't resolve. Listen, we have to train ourselves to rest in God's peace. How many of you know there's some big issues happening in our world today? Big issues that you cannot resolve. I cannot resolve. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. I mean, there's there's big issues around the world about, about conflict and war. There's political issues. There are economic issues. And this is what I know. They are beyond what you and I can resolve. And if we choose to focus on those issues and get consumed by those issues, what happens? It robs us of joy. So what do we need to do? We need to rest. We need to rest in God's peace. It's been said that peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of God in the midst of our conflict. We want to rest in his peace. And as we learn to rest in God's peace, we can discover happiness even in the most tumultuous trying times of our lives. And I look back to what Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I I have these two verses on the screen from the living Bible. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do we have it? Yeah. Would you read this with me? Let's read this together. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And don't forget to thank Him for all His answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than your human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Notice this is conditional. It says, if you do this, if you do what, if you trust, if you pray, then what's God going to do? He's going to send His peace. Now it's interesting, the Scripture speaks of how His peace would guard you. The Greek word there is a sentry of soldiers that's been sent out to guard a strategic location. Think about that. What does God do when you choose to put your trust in Him? He sends out His sentry guards to guard your mind. So we, we need to come to the place that we can rest in God's peace. Because again... There's trouble happening in our world, and as long as you live, listen, there's going to be trouble happening in this world. Listen, before you arrived, there was trouble. While you're here, there's going to be trouble. When you leave, there's still going to be trouble. Listen, there's troubled times that we live in. But as we learn to rest in God's peace, his peace that guards our minds, then we can position ourselves for greater happiness in our lives. Here's the, thir- the fourth directive. Not only do we need to rest in God's peace, but to discover greater happiness, we need to revise our thinking. We've talked a lot about this in this series, so I, I don't want to camp out here long. But let me just, its I need to emphasize this. It's really simple. It's not hard to understand. Bad thinking equals bad living. Negative thinking results in negative living. Listen, the opposite is also true. Positive thinking does what? It sets us up for more positive experience. How many of you know you find more happy in positive than you do in negative? Would you agree with that? You'll always find more happy where? In positive than in negative. So when it comes to positioning ourselves for happiness, our thinking is really critical. So what are you feeding your mind? How are you thinking? That's why Paul wrote these words. Philippians 4 verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, hey, think about it. Focus on it. Allow it, allow it to shape how you're processing life. See, if we train our brains to focus on the positive and feed the positive, the life we experience will have greater joy. And I love what Chuck Swindoll wrote. It's there in your notes. Listen to this quote. He says, these minds of ours are like bank vaults waiting for deposits. If we regularly deposit Positive, encouraging, and uplifting thoughts, what we withdraw will be the same. And the interest paid will be joy. And that's a great statement. So here's the question. What are you depositing? What are you feeding your mind? Because if we want to position ourselves for more and greater happiness, we've got to be feeding our minds the right information. I want to feed positive. So we can think positive, so that we can live positive. The final directive that Paul gives us to position ourselves for greater happiness that we that we need to implement is this we need to rein in our desires. Rein in our desires. Listen, if your desires are out of control and you're always wanting more, thinking that more is going to make you happy, then you're going to be really disappointed. Nothing wrong with stuff in life, but if you're chasing stuff, thinking I've got to have something else, I've got to have more, because then I'll be happy, and you're trying to get that that destination of more, whatever that looks like, listen, you're going to be really, really disappointed. If we're going to position ourselves for happy, then we, we really need to learn contentment. Now, contentment doesn't mean that I shouldn't be focused. I shouldn't have a plan. I should just be status quo. Listen, that's not contentment. Contentment's this. Contentment is being fully satisfied where I'm at with what I have. It doesn't mean that I can't open my life to more or shouldn't be planning for more or shouldn't be pursuing um, an education or a promotion. That's not... I mean, I think sometimes we think contentment is as, well, I can you know, I just got to sit here and be satisfied, status quo. Again, that's not that's not what contentment is. Contentment's being fully alive and fully sati- satisfied in Jesus Christ. Paul here in a prison cell could have happy why because he was content. Look, look back to what he wrote, verse eleven and twelve says, so I'm not saying this because I'm in need for, I've learned, I've trained myself, I've taught myself to be content, whatever the circumstances. He so says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Basically, Paul was saying, hey, I can be happy in every season, in every situation, because my happiness is not dependent on stuff. That's what he was saying. So we have to learn to rein in our desires. It's a great story story of a farmer who had grown up on a, on a farm all his life. He I mean, spent all his life working on this farm and he kind of got tired of it, to be honest. It's you know, it like every day. And he thought, you know, I'm just not happy anymore. I'm not happy on this place. I need a different destination so that I can find happy. And so he calls a real estate broker to list the farm. And the real estate broker comes out and assesses the land and goes back to the office and he writes up an ad that's going to be put in the newspaper. But before he puts the ad in the newspaper, he calls the farmer and says, hey, I just want to read this ad to you and make sure that you're okay with the ad before we we list the property. And the farmer says, okay, read it for me. And so the advertisement read like this. Unbelievable land with phenomenal location. Outstanding equipment. Um, Great livestock. Fertile ground. Profitable piece of land. At this point, the farmer screamed out, Stop! Stop! Whoa! That I don't want to sell. He said, I've been looking for something like that all my life. (laughs) Sometimes... The happiness that God has for us is right where we're at, and we're so busy trying to go after more and gather more that we miss the happy. Amen. I'm not against more, and I'm not against stuff, not against any of that. But this is what I know if you're chasing the things, thinking the things are going to create happy, won't happen. We have to learn to rein in our desires. We have to to learn, we train ourselves to contentment. Listen, we discover greater joys in our lives when we're content with what we have, grateful for what we own, satisfied with what we make, and generous to those in needs. It's that, my friends, that sets us up for outrageous joy. So, So let's bring it all together this morning as I wrap this up. How how can we position ourselves to discover more life in life? More life in life. Five things we talked about this morning. We're going to rejoice in God's goodness. We're going to relax in God's provision. We're going to rest in God's peace. We're going to revise our thinking. And we're going to reign in our desires. And as you take these principles and you begin to consistently cultivate them into your lives, let me tell you what you're going to find. I guarantee you this this morning. And I can guarantee it because it's the truth of God's Word. You will discover greater happiness. Why? Because you're taking God's Word and you're putting it to work in your life. I want to leave you this morning with one question. Something to reflect on. Hopefully something that will that will help you think about your life and the choices that you're making. Here's the question. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? A thermometer or a thermostat? And you're thinking, what in the world does that have to do with anything? So what's, a, what's a thermometer? What's a thermostat? Well, a thermometer registers the environment. A thermostat regulates the environment. Big difference. And a lot of people live their lives like a thermometer. Whatever environment they're in, they allow that environment to shape their disposition, to shape their outlook. So if they're in a really bad environment, they're just reflecting the environment. The environment determines their disposition, therefore they don't discover a lot of happiness. On the other hand, a thermostat regulates the environment. You know that's true, because in your home, if you want it to be a little warmer, what do you do? You go and you push it up a little bit. Wives push it up, the men come in and they push it down. But you're regulating your environment. You're determining the environment that you live in. And for people who live their lives as a thermostat, you don't allow the environment if it's bad to bring you down to determine your disposition you're learning to regulate your environment in other words you're choosing to find happy in places that are not happy why? because you're living as a thermostat not a thermometer I I believe because of the presence of Christ in our lives because we understand the promise of God's word I believe for all of us that we can live as thermostats we're regulating our environment. Because we've set our focus on Christ and we're living out the truth of His Word. You know, James 1.22 says this, Don't just hear the Word, do the Word. Don't just be hearers of the Word, be doers of the Word. I'd encourage you, friends, five principles we talked about today as we're wrapping this series up, as we're ending the study in Philippians. I would challenge you Don't just hear the words today. Write down a few notes and go have fried chicken for lunch. Take these principles and begin to work them in your life. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to position yourself for greater happiness than you ever thought you could experience. You're going to find more life in life. Why? Because you're taking the principles of God's Word and putting them to work. Really that simple. You're living it out. Well, Holy Spirit, help us. What I know for everyone in the room today, including myself, we need help. So we would ask today, Holy Spirit, help us take these principles. We talked about five this morning. Help help us take them and, and work them into our lives. May we consistently, continually recognize the goodness of God. May we rejoice in God's goodness. Holy Spirit, help us to relax in God's provision. Not to be anxious or worry and allow anxiety to rob us of of joy. Holy Spirit, help us to rest in God's peace. There's so much trouble in our world. But God, I thank you that in troubled times, we don't have to have troubled hearts. We can rest in your peace. Holy Spirit, help us do that. Holy Spirit, help us to revise our thinking. where we have stinking thinking... Holy Spirit, do a transformation. When we have negative thinking, Holy Spirit, help us revise that. Positive thinking that could lead us then to positive life. And Holy Spirit, help us to reign in our desires. Help us to learn this thing of contentment. May we not chase after the stuff thinking that the stuff is going to bring happy. But Lord Jesus, may we find ourselves chasing after you. You being the focus. And in that, being grateful for what you've blessed us with. That place of contentment, Lord, in that we'll find happy. And so again, Holy Spirit, my prayer for all my friends here today, help us to walk this out. And in those troubled places, those troubled times, those unhappy times, those times when we're around unhappy people, may we remind ourselves that you've called us to be the thermostat, to regulate the environment. And to bring happy not only for our lives, but may we be those who carry happiness to a world that's desperate, that's hungry for happy. I pray these things in Jesus' name.